Welcome to the Safe Passage for Children of Minnesota podcast. Safe Passage for Children's mission is to ensure that Minnesota has a child welfare system in which children are safe and can reach their full potential. This series of episodes will take a closer look at our short weekly policy blog, or eBrief. If you know someone who cares about children, be sure to share this podcast with them. Stick around for this week's eBrief podcast episode featuring Safe Passage for Children's Executive Director, Rich German. Today's blog is entitled Volunteer Guardian Ad Litem Program at Risk of Closing. Guardians Ad Litem represent the best interest of the child in juvenile court maltreatment proceedings. They may be paid staff or volunteers. Volunteer guardians are recruited and trained by the nonprofit CASA, which is C-A-S-E in caps and stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. CASA volunteers have become passionate advocates for children, and they often can spend more time with children than paid guardians who handle large caseloads. But as the Neil St. Anthony article that's linked to in the blog describes, the state agency that manages guardians isn't allowing CASA to recruit new volunteers. And unless this changes, CASA will soon die through attrition. State leadership is appropriately concerned about efficiently supervising volunteers with small caseload and maintaining consistent quality. But 97,000 CASA volunteers practice in 49 states, suggesting that these challenges are manageable. The State Guardian Ad Litem Board is going to vote on CASA's future this spring. We encourage them to keep this valuable program. So my comments on today's blog are that I want to talk about whether the nonprofit CASA is valuable and should continue in operation. Their website, by the way, is simply casamn.org. Again, these are volunteer guardians ad litem in contrast to the paid guardians ad litem that are employees of the state court system. And as mentioned, a guardian spends the best, uh, represents the best interest of the child in juvenile court custody proceedings. And guardians are only in juvenile court rather than also in family court because they are used in cases that involve child abuse and neglect rather than in more ordinary custody issues. The State Guardian Ad Litem Program is part of the State Court Administration, and it oversees the operation of both paid and volunteer guardians. Uh, and they, uh, the paid guardians carry out their work at the county level in all 10 Minnesota court districts, as opposed to the volunteer guardians ad litem who are only uh, operating in Hennepin and Ramsey County, Minnesota. The National CASA program, as some background, was started in 1982, and Minnesota started using volunteer guardians shortly after that. Then the CASA nonprofit itself was founded in 1996, so it's just a little bit over 25 years old. At one point, CASA operated in Minnesota in five counties and currently, as I mentioned, only has volunteers in Hennepin and Ramsey, and where, again, they're no longer recruiting new volunteers. So the program, which once had over 400 volunteers, is now down to fewer than 120. 
The new CASA executive director, his name is Gerard Bodell, estimates that there will be so few volunteers left in about two more years that the program will have to close. And meanwhile, there are approximately 200 people have, who have applied to become CASA volunteers, uh, generally from a more diverse population than in the past, and they're waiting to see what's going to happen with the program. Now, you know, guardians ad litem in Minnesota are mostly paid. And this smaller group of volunteer guardians, though, offers some unique advantages. First, they simply help cut into the currently sizable backlog of children who don't have a guardian at all. Uh, and secondly, volunteers generally have an average of two cases, though some take many more. And that means they often have time to spend a little bit more time with each child than paid staff who average 30 cases that include over 100 children on average. This, by the way, raises the natural issue for further advocacy in the future, which is to get more paid guardians so they can get the caseloads down to a manageable level and themselves can spend a reasonable amount of time with each child. Overall, guardians, both paid and volunteer, provide an important and valuable service. As the new CASA director said in a recent presentation to the State Guardian Ad Litem Board of Directors, Children who have guardians ad litem are 50% less likely to re-enter the child welfare system and have one-third fewer placements. And that's among a number of other statistics and benefits that he cited. So in general, the more guardians, the better, whether paid or not. Uh, speaking of Mr. Bodell, he came on the scene last spring in a situation that unfortunately was triggered by safe passage. We had asked the then chair of the CASA board in the county level, uh, who was also a supervisor in the paid state program, to do a presentation on CASA for one of our webinars. This led to her removal from that position, the position as the chair, not her job. And the idea was that she could not both advocate for CASA and be responsible for winding down the program at the same time, which, you know, is logical. At the time, this seemed like a really bad development, but Mr. Bodell, who is a longtime CASA volunteer, stepped in to take on the unpaid role of executive director. Uh, he recently has retired from a senior management position at the Target Corporation and has really excellent management skills. And as you know, it's rare for a small nonprofit like CASA to have an experienced senior manager just step in. And he's already reinvigorated the program in a number of ways, including negotiating with the state to allow CASA volunteers access to the same communications and information from the state and the county as paid volunteers. And this has in itself cleared confusion up on a number of cases, as well as making the CASA volunteers feel more a part of the program. He is also working on proposals to recruit more diverse volunteers as well as to be more selective in the recruitment efforts and to strengthen ongoing training and supervision. Now, let me switch things up a bit right here and take the position of management on this issue instead, because I think it would be a mistake to consider management as the bad guys in this situation. Because first, no doubt supervisors and management in the paid program have their hands full given the large caseloads and the backlogs of children needing guardians. So I imagine the state leadership is simply looking at the inefficiencies of supervising hundreds of volunteers who are only carrying one or two cases each. And I empathize with that dilemma because in my years in government, usually as the chief finance and administrative officer for a county or state agency, 
I was always looking for ways to be more efficient and particularly to free up staff from unnecessary or unproductive work so they had more time for the critical tasks that they were assigned. So I think the state leadership is simply trying to do its job here and make the best use of their limited resources. However, as I pointed out earlier, the management challenges in blending a group of paid volunteers, uh, paid guardians with volunteers, which are, you know, not trivial, have apparently been met successfully since there are programs in virtually every state and the District of Columbia as well that have this issue. And in addition to our resources, the National CASA organization has training and best methods for doing this very task. But also, and perhaps the bigger issue, is that when looking for efficiencies, when I was in my various human services positions, I did quite a few cost-benefit analyses myself, and I had to critique quite a few more, quite a few others. And one thing that I learned personally, as well as from looking at the research on this issue, is that analysts doing this kind of work frequently mainly go after the hard data that's relatively, I say relatively because it's never easy in government, but relatively easy to get and is possible to quantify. This almost always shows that the costs of maintaining a particular operation are too great and the benefits too small to justify continuing. And this is largely because the softer or more difficult to quantify benefits of the program, while very real, are often not given consideration or appropriate weight. So once they are taken into consideration, the conclusion of a cost-benefit analysis often flips to expanding or maintaining a program rather than shutting it down. In the case of CASA guardians, perhaps the most important hard-to-quantify benefit is that CASA essentially trains a group of citizen advocates who become passionate advocates for children in child protection and foster care. Now, you can't buy that. I mean, basically, this is something that if you went out to do without the CASA program would be a program in itself. Uh, and they also advocate specifically for the Guardian Ed Lighten program. And these volunteers have a lot of credibility with elected officials because they're talking from firsthand experience. They have uniquely deep knowledge and experience in the child welfare field. Now, there have been points in our history when half or more of our Safe Passage volunteers were also CASA Guardians Ad Litem. And they became our volunteers because they had personal experience with the problems in the child welfare system, and they were really highly motivated to help address those problems. Guardians have been particularly persuasive advocates when we, as Safe Passage, go to the legislature each year and promote our legislative proposals to improve child protection and foster care. One dramatic example of this kind of, quote, soft benefit provided by, uh, was provided by Mr. Bodell, and it's a CASA volunteer whose family has a foundation, and that foundation recently funded a $12.3 million affordable housing project that included 15 units set aside for youth aging out of foster care. And this guardian stated that the project never would have happened but for her experience as a CASA volunteer. But more generally, there have been thousands of volunteer guardians since the program started, many of whom have had some important but perhaps not very visible impact on the children and families they serve. And while it's hard to quantify, again, the stories that we have heard over the years from our volunteers, who are also guardians, have convinced me personally that there is a huge advantage to the child welfare world of having these knowledgeable citizens involved. 
The fact that Mr. Bodell stepped up and assumed leadership of the CASA program is really a gift, and it's a kind of gift that is rarely experienced in human services. So we think that the state should take advantage of it. Mr. Bodell has developed a three-year plan for improving and expanding CASA, which includes strengthening recruitment, increasing diversity, and improving the monitoring and oversight of the program. So we hope that the state guardian ad litem leadership and board of directors for the program will decide this spring to support him in implementing this plan and just, you know, see where it takes them. We think the likely outcome is that it will result in a robust partnership that will strengthen both the state program and the CASA program. Well, with that, I want to thank you, Rich, for sharing your time and your expertise on these issues. Again, if you know someone who cares about children, be sure to share this podcast with them. Until next time, this is Safe Passage for Children of Minnesota, working to ensure that Minnesota has a child welfare system in which children are safe and can reach their full potential.